You actually have the jersey. I have a Toon Squad jersey. Bugs Bunnies, number one. Does it smell like 1996? No. It doesn't smell anything like fruit roll-ups and Capri Sun. Oh, you're 1996. Got it. We have to go back! everyone and welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and today we are reviewing the 1996 michael jordan biopic space jam all right all right all right it really is a biopic it really is like as a kid i'm pretty sure i didn't know it anything otherwise because it, it it's a biopic it's it's michael jordan as himself Based on true events, there it is. Oh, I mean, it's Bugs Bunny's biopic. Oh, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so for those of you listening, I want you to know the significance of this review. 20 years ago, on November 15th, Space Jam was released in theaters, and the world was forever changed. So that's why we're reviewing this movie. And I want everyone else to know... I don't know why I emphasized else, because you're actually the same people <laughs> that exactly 60 years ago, Sinbad was released into the world. Yeah. So go back, listen to First Kid, and say, happy 60th, Sinbad. Yeah. And then come back here and say, happy 20th, Space Jam, and then treat yourself to a slice of cake. On you. On um, your face. Cake <laughs> on your face. Cake on your face. All right, so this movie um, played such a huge role in my childhood. Um, and I just, I, I love this movie so, so much. I typically we do a ton of research um, for these reviews. And I felt like I knew so much already that I felt like I was just going through things. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I do recall that information. Um, but. Before we get into anything, let's give you guys a brief synopsis. All right. So the time, the year is 1996. Um, Michael Jordan had just recently returned to the NBA after take, after retiring for the first time. And there was a series of commercials uh, where Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny were playing basketball against Marvin Martian. Uh, that was the first commercial that inspired Space Jam as a whole. Then they did a second campaign uh, where Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan uh, were talking about uh, this shoe called the Hair Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to which I actually have a poster of one of the original uh, campaign posters for the Hair Jordan uh, shoe. And... It was just Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny playing a pickup game. And literally from there, Space Jam was born. It was just a series of commercials that were really popular and kids loved it. And uh, Joe Pitka was like, you know what? Because Joe Pitka, he directed those commercials. Um, mm. And so he said, you know what? We need to make a movie. And then Ivan Reitman was like... I'm on board because Ivan Reitman, he also uh, produced Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. You probably know more about Ivan Reitman than I do. You assume too much. Sir. <laughs> yeah. Long, long time relationship with Bill Murray. 
uh, yeah, which is I why mean, when Bill Murray shows up on the court and Michael Jordan asked him how he got here, he goes, oh, I'm friends with the producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he directed uh, Beethoven, Beethoven second. Which is um, funny because they call Charles Beethoven at one point. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> it's a lot of references to their own work yeah. in this movie. Um, much like the flashback flicks. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the first kid. Uh, and that sentence alone was a perfect example of it. <laughs> so he directed and produced. So he directed and produced Stripes, Ghostbusters, uh, Ghostbusters 2, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, Jr. Pretty much like most of the comedies in oh, the 80s. Oh, that makes sense then. If he did Jr. and Twins... That makes sense why Danny DeVito was the bad guy. And doesn't make sense as to why Arnold Schwarzenegger was not one of the voices in the movie. It does not make sense. Why not? He has a perfect voice. I think they said there are too many other voices in this movie. I'm so sorry, Arnold. And yet Um, you have a movie built around voiceovers and you have Dan Castellaneta using his (laughs) normal voice. (laughs) I what that. a waste. What a perfect cameo. I was just like, hey, there's Dan Castanella. Like, I've seen that movie for years. It wasn't until like uh, this time that I watched it. I'm like, that's Dan Castanella? Why did I never realize that? Um, but so that's how Space Jam, in short, got made. Let me tell you the premise of this. So Michael Jordan retires. <laughs> And meanwhile, in Looney Tunes land, which, by the way, is in the center of the Earth, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they get invaded by these aliens who just so happened to find them on TV. And they're like, hey, we need to kidnap the Looney Tunes for our amusement park. And then Bugs Bunny, being the clever, lovable scamp that he is, is like, hey... Well, you got to let us defend ourselves. So he challenges them to a game of basketball, and he teaches them what basketball is. And the aliens then steal the abilities from all the basketball players, all the um, the best basketball players in the NBA in 96, which excludes Michael Jordan because he just recently retired. He's a uh, baseball player. He's a baseball player. Uh, and so Bugs Bunny, realizing that he uh, bit off more than he could chew, recruits some help from an old friend Michael Jordan and so he helps defend this the uh, the Looney Tunes the Toon Squad uh, and helps them to victory and then Michael Jordan realizes that it's time for him to get back in the game and so he unretires from basketball and that's how Michael Jordan came back and won and brought the Chicago Bulls to their next championship that following year. So and then he went to the Wizards. Yeah. And that's uh, that's when I stopped watching sports. Um, <laughs> you broke sports for me. <laughs> and uh, that's that's the end. That is the end of my sports knowledge right there. Uh, so that is. Quick synopsis of Space Jam, a brief history of how it got made. Let's get into the recaps. Uh, so 
Grayson, when was the last time you saw Space Jam? I think I had just learned my times tables. (laughs) So did you watch it? So I I remember when we were still roommates um, that I bought it on Mm Blu-ray. Did you watch it with me then? I didn't. I had a thing that night. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's how I rewatched it on Blu-ray. I think that was the last time before I want to say like maybe 98 or the oh, early yeah. early 2000s because like that movie I just re- I I just remembered so so much from that movie just like the plot lines and even the jokes and uh it was just such a big part of my childhood like I have in my as part of like my uh stew dip and set uh, YouTube.com forward slash Stu Dippin. Uh, I have a Space Jam pillow from my childhood, like pinned up to the wall hmm. of Michael Jordan um, shooting a shot with the Monstars in the background. Um, and like, I slept with that pillow. Like, I was such a huge Looney Tunes fan as a kid. Like, my grandmother for years would just constantly get, get me Tasmanian Devil stuff uh, <laughs> just because I loved drawing the Tasmanian devil and I loved doing impersonations of the Tasmanian devil, but he wasn't my favorite. Bugs Bunny was my favorite. Um, but I just liked drawing him more. I don't know why I just did. Um, but yeah, it was such a huge part of my childhood because here's the thing. One of the historical significances of the Looney Tunes is that the Looney Tunes, like at the time they had been in, cultural influence for like 70 years yeah. like the Looney Tunes originally started as like the shorts that played before movies uh even before tv like they would have these animated shorts that played before movies and the Looney Tunes were one of the first and they had been in other movies before but they were like uh compilation movies they would like take a whole bunch of shorts that were already made and then kind of create a narrative around it I remember there was one where Bugs Bunny had to babysit um, this, like, young king. Um, and he, Bugs Bunny just kept on telling him all these stories, and it was just a bunch of Looney Tune compilations as a movie. But this movie was the first narrative for the Looney Tunes, like, from beginning to end, that was just all about them. Um, and it's so interesting, because, like, at that time, in the 90s, um, Cartoon Network had just been developed uh, for the first time, and pretty much the only thing in their library was the uh, Hanna-Barbera catalogs and Looney Tunes. And so I remember growing up watching Looney Tunes and Scooby-Doo and all these things like, oh, a new episode of Scooby-Doo is on, even though there has been a new <laughs> episode of Scooby-Doo in, like, years. I know they did a Putman Scooby-Doo in the 80s, but, like... I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch this new episode of Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Yeah. So, like, the, yeah. they never have left the public eye. And even though it's, like, the same cartoons just, like, through generations. Like, in a special feature called uh, Jammin' with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny as a special featurette on the Blu-ray. Uh, Michael Jordan talks about, like, growing up watching Looney Tunes. And he's like, yeah, they're just as funny now as they were when I was growing up. It's just like, that's right. Like, they've been on air. It's the same cartoons, and it's like this timeless comedy uh, that has been prevalent for so long. 
and uh i just thought that was really interesting to just like really appreciate that because i remember as a kid i just i didn't understand that like these weren't new cartoons because they were so timeless yeah and really it's the way that they've evolved with those pop culture references that i think i've kept them around mm-hmm. um, like they're timeless like you said but they also speak to the listener where they are right um, that was one of the issues that chuck jones had with the movie who is one of the original looney tunes producers mm-hmm. is he felt like it violated a lot of the source material yeah um, which is difficult. That's a difficult line to walk. Like, do you stay true to how things used to be, or do you evolve with the new names and faces? It, I don't have the answer for that, but it it seems to have worked. Whatever Looney Tunes is doing, it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading Chuck Jones. His biggest problem is like, listen. I don't think Bugs Bunny would ask for help. I right. really think that Bugs Bunny would have made just like short order of those guys and like no time. It would just be like a, a 10 minute short. Uh, but I think for the sakes of the narrative, especially like the idea, because for me, the idea that Bugs Bunny has, he's always been clever and he's always been able to outwit people, but for them to be outwitted in this way, he's like, Ooh, well, I actually might have bitten off more than I can chew. And then for him to enlist, like, him to still be clever in a different way I thought was fun to see. I mean, he really did outwit them, though, because they were just going to straight up take him away to Moron Mountain. And he's mm-hmm. the one who wrote in the rule book saying, yep. no, nope, you have to give us a chance. It is in the book. <laughs> it is in the book. <laughs> yeah, it's in the book. Um, yeah, it was, man, I, I just... I just love that so much. There is a really cool uh, video that we will uh, link in the show notes. And it's a uh, video essay just about Bugs Bunny as a character. Highly recommend it. It talks all about how his character has evolved over time and has been able to remain timeless. And that's, that's I think that's what got so many people excited to see him on the big screen and him interacting with um you know, Michael Jordan in that way. Uh, but this movie is more than just about Michael Jordan um, and Bugs Bunny. You have such a star-studded cast. You have uh, Dan Aykroyd. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Uh, <laughs> what? I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. Uh, we have Bill Murray, uh, Wayne Knight. Uh, you have um, several basketball players who I'm sure other people really care about um, you know charles barkley though i'm sorry who, yeah i know so you have charles barkley uh and uh did i say bugs bunny did i say michael jordan it was implied okay yeah um but yeah and then um all those other basketball players and larry bird i know i knew him uh patrick ewing patrick ewing and um, whoever else is on the IMDb page. Actually, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, he made a brief cameo in that last game scene um, when Michael Jordan returns to the NBA because he, uh, Michael, the Bulls are playing against the LA Lakers. Oh, so it's getting dunked on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, just a ton of voice actors. We actually have Billy West, uh, the voice of so much of my childhood, the voice of Doug, uh, Ren from Ren and Stimpy, 
Uh, Philip J. Fry from Futurama. Most people will know him from that. He's also Zoidberg in Futurama. He is. That's right. He is Zoidberg in Futurama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but he's the voice of Bugs Bunny. And you have D. Bradley Baker, who has been the long-term uh, legacy voice of Daffy Duck, who actually recently passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have just so, so many uh, voice talents. Um, you have Bill Farmer. Uh, who Who is Bill Farmer? Bill Farmer, he's the voice of Sylvester, Yosemite, Sam, Foghorn, Leghorn, but you might more know him from the voice of Goofy. Oh. So he crossed the universes. So you really can't get rid of that southern twang. <laughs> no, no I, I think it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's built in. Now, 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 now I said, but now I said, what you, what you need to do is you need to listen. Oh, gosh, yeah. All right. You varmint! And that was my audition. Bill Farmer, if you're looking for an intern, I am available. We'll call you. <laughs> um, uh, you also had the introduction of Lola Bunny in yeah. this film, voiced by Kath Sorcy. Nope, doesn't have an R in it. Yeah, Susie? Kath Sousy. Sousy. Spelled like it sounds. Spells like it sounds. Yeah, she is also the voice of Phil and Lil from Rugrats. And Linka from Captain Planet. Oh, no way. Yeah, she's also Dexter's mom on Dexter's Laboratory. Wow. Um, she played young Nick recently in Zootopia, which I oh. just saw this week. Loved it, by the way. Oh, so Loved good. Loved it. Um, but this is not a Zootopia review. But yeah, she, Kath... Has been in the industry for a long time, and uh, she was even in Beauty and the Beast as Bimbet, the the feather duster. Oh no way! Yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just like seriously, go just go into the IMDb um, listing of Space Jam and just go down the credits because you there are just so many, uh, so much talent and kind of. Also referencing back to our uh, I Know That Voice uh, review, like voice actors just are such an incredible talent. And this movie incorporating so many different talents in the industry and kind of giving them uh, this platform where they get to be um, like top billing. (laughs) Like I know Billy West technically didn't get the same billing as Bugs because in the credits they bill them as the – the as the act- characters the actors first and then they do voice actors second but i mean technically bugs bunny has his first billing in a movie um and i think that's this that's just so so very cool i can't remember in in movies like like peewee for example peewee's big adventure do they bill him in the opening titles as peewee herman or as paul rubens i think peewee herman Interesting. Yeah, because when I saw like Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny, I couldn't remember the last time I saw a movie where the character was given top billing. Yeah, typically, the, like pretty much in every Muppet movie, it's done like uh, that. Yeah, like Kermit the Frog is playing himself, kind of thing. It's not guy with hand up puppet. <laughs> Correct. So when I watched this movie this time around, I feel like this is this is the Ver- this is my viewing of the movie where I noticed the most that I didn't realize when I was a kid. 
so much of this movie. This is a ridiculous movie. Like, for for years, this has been, like, one of my all-time favorite movies. And I feel like this is the first time where I realized how ridiculous this movie is. It's so much fun, though. But it's mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Uh, first off is the premise that, like, oh, man, this guy, this alien, voiced by Danny DeVito, has an amusement park on a planet. That is just the most rundown amusement park ever. And he says, you know what? We need new attractions. And his first thought, very first thought, kidnap these animated characters. Well, because he sits on the remote and turns on his hundred TVs that are all programmed to individual and different episodes of looney tunes oh my gosh i just love that so much and yeah and uh and the other thing that i noticed is that based off of this movie the looney tunes not only live in earth like they live at the center of the earth right um their lives every episode of the looney tunes it's just them it's a reality show because in that scene where Porky says, hey, stop everything, there's an emergency cartoon town meeting, that was, like, live. And yeah. so that gives us evidence that, like, the Looney Tunes have just been on loop. Like, their job is to clock in, be a product of Warner Brothers, and go through their daily routine, which is every short that they've ever done just over and over again. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. In the moment I just referenced where he sits on the remote and turns on all the episodes of Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. if the episodes are live, how are they in two places at once? You know what, Grayson? I Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I broke Space Jam for you. I, I don't ask for much, Grayson. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, you were super nice when we did our first episode of Back to the Future. You could have poked all the plot holes in it. And then this happened. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> but it I, is an interesting moment when they leave and there's just the, just the cavern. Yeah, the, the desert there. They probably used an Acme multiplier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's only – it's very limited amount of time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, at the end of each day, since they do have to be in so many places at once, the primary has to go around and kill all the doppelgangers (laughs) (laughs) that have been created. Makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the other thing I didn't uh, didn't notice as a kid was how – because this movie got me really excited about basketball. Like, I – I played basketball before this movie, um, but, like, I was psyched about basketball. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be, like, Bugs Bunny uh, and Michael Jordan playing basketball. Like, I owned multiple Space Jam books, mm-hmm. um, and I learned – it was the first time I cared about stats. Um, and then I realized that, like, when <laughs> they're playing basketball – like Marvin Martian is either a a horrible referee, um, even though someone on Tumblr pointed this out to me, he's the perfect referee because he's both an alien and a cartoon. Oh, there it is. Well, because in the original premise, it's his aliens that they're playing against, right? Right. Yeah, in the yeah. original cartoon. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, they're they're like playing like high school musical basketball. It's just like a very private league of basketball where the rules don't really make sense. Get you, get you, get you, get your head in the game. Um, the other thing I realized um, in this movie is that all the Looney Tunes are super short. Like they said, uh, and coming in at three feet. Four feet if you include the ears. Bugs Bunny. I'm like, Bugs <laughs> Bunny is four feet tall? It's really like, short. I My brain, I just thought he was like six foot tall. I, I, Elmer Fudd was, that he was just like a, a large bunny in the way that Mickey Mouse owns like a dog and like Mickey Mouse is a large mouse kind of thing. I think that's because, like, you can go to Mickey Mouse's house at Disneyland, so you get the feeling that his whole house is like, human-sized. Mm-hmm. But the Looney Tunes have to fit on the TV screen. Yeah, that does make that, sense. That's just science. <laughs> I should have known. But, yeah, like, actually having the heights of everyone, I'm watching, I'm like, wait a sec. Everyone, the Looney Tunes, like, I thought that they were way taller. Just because, like, if they, if you're looking at people who are all relatively the same height of each other you just assume that they are like it's kind of like the thing on youtube like if you've ever gone to a uh youtube convention uh, usually the first thing that you realize is that um people are taller because you just assume that they're at eye level because you're looking at them in the eyes mm-hmm. uh, but when you meet them you're like oh like you're like a, a person who at, is not at eye level to me kind of thing yeah. Um it makes sense though. It, it like if you look at the Nerd Lux or like mm-hmm. the small version of the Monstars um and they stack five of them on top of each other whenever they dress up like Tom Baker and go to the basketball game. Right. And then you have them being basically half the size of the average Looney Tune, mm-hmm. which is about 2 feet from what the uh, the mouse announcer says. Mm-hmm. So then it'd be like, yeah, that's like uh it's like a five foot tall individual. Yeah. Rather than if they were like double that, like a ten foot tall person just walking around would be yeah. terrifying. Oh absolutely. And that yeah. was a secret edition of movie math. <laughs> Very nice. Uh yeah, and uh I think the other thing just about this movie, um is like how many references um, are in the movie? Mm-hmm. The I didn't like. We talked about Dan Castanella's uh, cameo, uh, Bill Murray being in this movie. This is something that was completely new to me. But like his role in the movie was a nod to a series of commercials, like a comedic amount of commercials of Bill Murray trying to join the NBA. And there's this interview, actually, with Michael Jordan um, talking about, like, you know, Bill Murray's very funny, but he he, he has a lot of talents uh, that make up for his lack of game. He has no game. He cannot play basketball. And it's just like, that. <laughs> it was like this ongoing joke that uh, Bill Murray just could not play basketball and he couldn't join the NBA. And so his role in the movie made so much more sense yeah because of that joke and it was like a a thing that people knew about and like a lot of adults got uh a lot of uh kicks out of because his whole role in that game was to be himself trying to be in the nba 
After the success of Space Jam, they've been talking about Space Jam 2 for years. We call it a uh, a Beetlejuice sequel. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Space Jam Goes Hawaiian. Um, <laughs> and it's been in talks in pretty much every two years, they say, Space Jam 2 is happening. And everyone's like, Ricky, what do you think? And I'm like, I think that it's not happening because Warner Brothers hasn't said anything. Until mm. Warner Brothers says something, it's not really going to happen. Now, with that being said, there was a movie called Looney Tunes Back in Action, which everyone thought was going to be a Space Jam sequel because it involves the Looney Tunes and Brendan Fraser and other live-action people. Um, And it wasn't really anything like that, so it didn't do Mm. as well. It just ended up being Monkey Bone (laughs) 2. Basically, it ended up just being that. Um, but the movie didn't do as well, and therefore, like an actual Space Jam two has been in uh, kind of de- uh, development hell. Like because the movie did stupidly well. I know normally that we give you more statistics uh, up front, but like the mo- they had an estimated budget of about eighty million, um, and it opening weekend got thirty million, and then gross did uh, ninety million. Uh, so it made ten million profit, um, but that's just on the box office and like on VHS alone. I probably contributed to like at least a couple of hundred thousand. Uh, Why'd you buy so many of the same VHS? <laughs> um, and rentals in USA rentals for Space Jam it made forty six million dollars. Oh man, forty six million on US rentals. Like, let's just appreciate the the different world that this movie was released in. So the Seriously. two main things being like it makes so much of its money on rentals, like VHS rentals, and also that a lot of the jokes were a culmination of commercial campaigns. Yes. Can that's you imagine the- trying to base a story on a commercial now? Seriously. Like that's the thing that I think is so amazing about Space Jam is that it was created in like – a time that was ripe for it to be created in like no other time because like if you try to combine popular cartoons and sports nowadays they like then we would already have a spongebob michael phelps movie but it's not gonna happen uh, i would be interested in seeing a, like a very gritty indie movie <laughs> Uh, produced by Progressive Insurance, just called Flow, <laughs> and it's like when the smile fades, <laughs> you're covered. Oh, that would be fantastic. Flow. <laughs> oh goodness, it it happened in a time like there is not a single commercial campaign out there that I can imagine people saying, "You know what we need to do." We need to make a movie out of this. I do think the Geico Gecko is probably the closest we are right now. Oh, absolutely. But it's it's just like Geico Gecko maybe one of the old spice guys. But like Yeah. They're like a crime fighting team. Yeah. Um, and they're investigating the murder of the Aflac duck. <laughs> Did he have um, any last words? Well, I could take a wild guess. <laughs> Grayson, it's duck season. 
rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Head cannon. Fire. <laughs> we did it. Nice. Um, all not right, guys. staged at all. Not even a little bit. Just off the top of the head. Uh, Headcanon is the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and explore untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, now, this movie has so much uh, to work with. Uh, biggest thing being that this... My biggest headcanon is that this takes place uh, in the same universe that Men in Black does. Go on. Yeah, well, because, like, you have these aliens who are just, like, cat. Like, aliens have, like, flown over this baseball stadium. People are like, hey, what's that? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And they just treat it like nothing. I yeah. think that if aliens are living among them, as well as uh, the underground Looney Tune world that also lives on uh, planet Earth, then, meanwhile, in, like, New York City, you know, Agent J and Agent K are, like, Fighting off alien attacks. Couldn't they just do the uh, PowerPoint laser pointer into their eyes? Oh, yeah, the neuralizer? You with your SAT words. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone was just so casual about, like, Michael Jordan coming out of a spacecraft that I would think that aliens, um, at the very least, are in their world. And it's just like, oh, all right. Yeah. That or it takes place in the same world as Independence Day. I'm tying every movie we review into Independence Day. So you're saying by that associative property logic that Independence Day takes place in the same universe as Men in Black. So who is Will Smith playing? Oh. Yeah. I mean, he is... Wait a second. I... Okay. Here it is. And that's time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, no. Yeah. Well, he he plays himself. He's the same person because he got neuralized before. I think he got neuralized before um, after Independence Day. They neuralized him. Ah, no. But, I, I, I think I've lost all kind of ties tough. and logic to it. Uh, sorry, I uh, I really can't help you because truth be told, I've never seen him in a black. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> they just know that everything I said uh, absolutely connects, and my head cannon is flawless. Cool. I have seen Orange is the New Man in Black, but it's very different. <laughs> Do you have any headcanon? Uh, just the way that these worlds interact. Um, the the three worlds being um, like the Looney Tunes area, the Earth world or the 3D land as Daffy calls it, um, and then uh, the uh, Space Tune area. The thought being... That the Looney Tunes, they've been around for so long, they're basically immortal in mm-hmm. in their time, or like in their space. Um, but when they come to uh, Earth or three the three D version, um, they they can age. They start to like feel the effects of reality whenever mm. they are here, which is why they're so scared of Charles the dog. You can get hurt in the real world. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's just interesting that if Bugs and them had stayed too long, that it would have been um, you would have seen the effects of aging happen, which is what I think actually happened to the Nerdlucks. I think that they were at one time young tunes 
who lived in the Looney Tune area, but they've been gone for so long in the the space realm um, with Danny DeVito's character that they're all small and kind of wrinkly because they're just really old um, because they've had, they've felt the passage of time being outside of that WB seal that Mm. basically keeps everything in. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because like the time did not uh, work because like the clock, like five second clock. And I'm just like five, four, three, two, one. Okay, no, that clock still says you have five seconds. And then it cut, like, <laughs> then, like, 30 more seconds later, it's like four. I'm like, that, no, time can't work the same way in Looney Tune Land. It just can't. And I think that's how they've been able to do these live performances on screen for the last 70 whatever years. All right, now it is time to head on down to Recast and Remake Land, where everything is possible. Oh, uh, yeah, so we are going to talk about. If this movie were to be made today, who would we cast and what would the storyline be? Um, I very rarely, I feel like this has only happened like maybe one or two other times on this podcast after reviewing dozens of movies. Uh, I would not change a single thing. Um, I, I would just, I would love for them to either do a Space Jam reunion of sorts. I don't even know what that would look like. But I feel like if they just had a short where it's Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny, like, getting back together for, like, Bugs' retirement or – I don't know. I don't know what they would do. Like, I would just want them to do a reunion of sorts because, like we've said before, this movie is just so perfectly 90s and the – it just it would just be too difficult. It's like so. Eddie Murphy has talked about this, um, about um, or at the very least, I was watching an episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee uh, with uh, Kevin Hart and Jerry Seinfeld, and they were talking about how Eddie Murphy, you know, they're like Eddie, you're you're so funny, you're so still good, you should come back. And the thing he says is like, you know, as much as I would want to come back. Everyone else's expectation of what I would be if I came back, I could never reach that because they're imagining it to be this huge, big, larger than life thing that no matter what he actually delivered, it, he couldn't live up to himself. So that's why he that's why he doesn't go back to doing stand up uh, per se. And I think that's why um, doing Space Jam Two has taken so long. And I don't think like even though LeBron James. Um, I think would be a great um, choice, and because uh, and he's had a similar influence on uh, on basketball, he's also you know I did some additional research about like the history of Michael Jordan at this time, and at the time of Space Jam, like not Michael Jordan wasn't like as beloved of a character or as beloved as a figure. Um, necessarily like of course everyone like loved him and knew him to be like one of the best best basketball players in the world but um, he had some tension with other people like there are several people who were um, pitched to be in the movie but they're like "Eh, I don't think I really want to work with Michael Jordan like that kind of thing happened but I think that LeBron James would be I I feel like he's done he's had a similar impact on the uh, 
kind of fabric of the spaceball fan spaceball uh baseball uh, the basketball fandom uh so i think he would be great and as great as i think that would be um i don't think that we need a space jam sequel per se oh. um at most i would love a reunion um however if space jam never happened and we were making the first ever Space Jam now, absolutely LeBron James. Um, and I think he's the only... Uh, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant. Um, Shaquille O'Neal has had Steel and Kazam, so he gets nothing. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he, he would definitely be one of the cameos um, in the movie, but... Uh, I think those would be the actors. I I would love, love for it to just be an SNL star-studded cast. Oh, Bo Burnham. I would love for Bo Burnham to be the uh, the Bill Murray character. Interesting. Uh, just because I feel like Bo Burnham has done the kind of uh, comedy that Bill Murray was doing back in the day of, like, no, I want to join basketball. Like, doing those... Um, those uh, <laughs> yeah. the the character inspired stunts. Yeah, like, yeah like, I realized the other day when I was sitting on a park bench that I belong on the court. <laughs> it's where I'm meant to be. So I wrote a little song about it. <laughs> of course, the Looney Tunes are such a huge part of um, Space Jam. I don't I. It would be interesting to try to see if there would be another property out there. Because, like, you can't do Space Jam with Mickey Mouse. Like, that's the thing. Like, you just right. can't. You you can't do a Disney version of Space Jam. Um, because he's too good at all the sports. <laughs> like, funny. you could get Caleb Flaxy from the Gold Medal Canada's curling team back in 2014 Sochi and pair him up with Mickey Mouse. And it works. Grayson, you made up so many names in sports just now. It's all confirmed by Wikipedia. <laughs> it was a toss-up between going with Caleb Flaxey or EJ Harnden, but I didn't want his brother Ryan Harnden to feel left out. Yeah, that's thoughtful of you. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, I just I just don't see the same kind of stakes because um, Bugs Bunny has gotten himself into like so many different kinds of like wacky situations like not not even gotten himself into like he has gotten into so many of these like crazy wacky situations where it's like oh well this witch is trying to cook me because i'm a rabbit and i just uh, happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and he gets out of those situations with his uh wit um and i would believe for that to happen and on the scale that space jam happened but like mickey mouse I mean, he, he he walks his dog. I, I mean, I feel like Goof Troop is uh, the closest to like a Space Jam type scenario that the Disney characters will ever get in. Uh, yeah. That in the Ducktales movie. Um, I'd probably say that if I did a uh, remake of the Space Jam premise, it would be that Louis C.K. is walking away from comedy, <laughs> and uh, instead gets. Sucked into the world of Bob's Burgers, (laughs) 
where he realizes he just belongs there and should be a cook. Oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I love taking just the concept of spaceship. Like someone's leaving something. Some someone who's at the top of their game is walking away from it to be sucked into a cartoon world, and then realize that they belong back to where they were. So if Lucy came here to do that, I feel like Looney Tunes would be like, "Hey, listen, uh, we we got it's like a Ratatouille situation. Like, hey, we're we're being audited for comedy or something, and we." We have to make these guys laugh, or like we have to make this planet of people who are trying to destroy Looney Tunes world laugh. Otherwise, we can't. Uh, otherwise, we won't be able to do be Looney Tune characters anymore. So we need to bring the top comedians into our world, <laughs> who are just like retired from comedy, to come back and make people laugh. Or you just see like where the aliens suck the funny out of current comedians. Oh. And Jim Gaffigan's just up there going, hot, hot pocket, hot pocket, <laughs> hot pocket. Comedy Jones. And it works. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. No, I love that. It'd be, call, it'd be called Looney CK. Oh, my gosh. That's it. That's the title. Go, Looney, 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 Looney. <laughs> Cut and print. Because it works. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I, I I will love that. Here's what it needs to be, because I'm pretty sure this is the premise of Looney Tunes back in action. But I want it to be an actor who's leaving acting, uh, like, and I want it to be Will Smith more than anything. I want it to be Will Smith for no other reason because I love Will Smith. Um, mm. I want Will Smith to retire from acting, and then he gets uh, sucked into this thing where they're like, oh. I'm about to describe Galaxy Quest. <laughs> so like these people think that you are actually Agent J, so you have to play yourself. Oh my will, how you are grown. West Philadelphia Bonavis. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, Galaxy Quest, Men in Black, Looney Tunes, Hollywood. Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. You know that uh, Will Smith vehicle you've been waiting for? Well, listen to this. All right. Now we're going to wrap up this review with our reasons to recommend. Grayson, why would you recommend Space Jam? I recommend it almost purely for Bill Murray, to be honest. Yeah. Like, his performance is so good. The best line in the movie is after Michael Jordan gets sucked down the golf hole and Wayne Knight's <laughs> taking this picture. And Bill Murray says, don't point that at me. What kind of camera is that? <laughs> it's a fun premise, too. And, like, we were toying with the idea of, like, someone at the peak of their game leaves it and then gets sucked into a cartoon reality. Like, it's just it's just fun. And that's, that's my reason to recommend. It's just pure fun. I would recommend this movie if you ever just wanted to watch basketball without having to know what basketball really is. Uh, and you've watched Air Bud too many times already. <laughs> so there has to be a rule that the dog can't play. Nope, not one. All right. No. But the Space Jam Air Bud crossover would be called Hair Bud. Of course. H-A-R-E. I would give so many reasons to recommend this movie. Uh, I would agree that this movie, like, if you saw it in theaters, you have to watch it again. In fact, yes. um, at the time of this uh, recording, 
um, November 13th and 16th in select theaters. They are going to be re-releasing Space Jam in theaters. So check your local listings, re-see it in theaters if you are able to. But this movie, if you originally saw it in 96 or any kind of time while it was still in theaters or maybe you rented it, it's so worth re-watching because as I grow up, I feel like I understand uh, my parents and my grandparents a little bit more like, and how they explain to me, like, oh, man, you don't understand. Like, this was amazing. Like, I feel like I talk to people about Space Jam like um, the movie came out in, like, the 70s. And just like, oh, man, you don't – man, it was 1996, and Michael Jordan was at the top of his game. And Looney Tunes, after making their uh, resurgence on uh, – re- they were just on reruns. They came out in the 60s. Or not even the 60s. They came out way before. They had been around for 70 years. And they made a comeback with one of the most popular players. Like, I, I feel like I tell, like, I explain it like I am a very, very, very old man um, who is fondly remembering, like, a radio teleplay. Uh, because it, it, was, it was a different time. A completely different time where uh, ideas like this could happen and be wildly received by people because nowadays uh and we've talked about this before but like so much of movies are looking forward uh to a franchise um or even to uh try to play an idea that's like the safest thing um this movie is so bizarre <laughs> and it proved itself with like 230 second commercials is it two thirty second Nike commercials, and that's what made this movie, and that that alone excites me, um, and it's just like the possibility um, and the message of like teamwork and support and believing in yourself uh, is is well, those are good things, yeah. It, it's uh, it's there and it's so fun. Um, and what other movie are you going to get Chris Rock and Barry White on the track together? Like, I there's not one that I know. Well, I mean, maybe there are a few. Um, at least three. But this one is like the first one, and this one has Bugs Bunny in it. So I recommend it for that. Also, Michael Jordan, in an interview... After receiving a, a very, uh, I, I think he was, after being inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, Mr. Jordan said, despite all my NBA accomplishments, my biggest one will always be Space Jam. Did he really say he that? He really said that. I promise you. Look it up. He actually said it. And from the man himself, that's why you should. Re- I recommend Space Jam. The greatest basketball player Maybe to have lived says that Space Jam was his biggest accomplishment after winning all them trophies, all those championships. Space Jam, top of the list. Wow. For some reason, that really makes me want to watch Kazam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal would not say the same thing. <laughs> oh, and other reasons to recommend this movie. The Space Jam, the original Space Jam website is still online. 20 years running. If it's not broke, don't fix it. 
promise you. Oh, to spatium.com. I'm looking at something that looks like it was made in GeoCities. Yes, that's the one. I can't even understand how this website is organized. <laughs> oh, here's the thing. It's not – I mean it is – What? Yes. So if you go to spatium.com, everything still works. Literally everything. So so it's like this little galaxy. Uh, <laughs> if you click on the site map, it will lay out everything. It will tell you what everything is. Because site maps were a thing. And so you go to Behind the Jam, and in order for you to watch videos, you can click on behind-the-scenes footage, and you literally just download it to your computer and watch it in its glorious 1.2 megabyte glory. Oh, my goodness. It is such a treat. You have to treat yourself to this website. So do your Christmas shopping early and for yourself and anyone, any of your loved ones. And just send them the Space Jam website. Just print out a little piece of paper that says SpaceJam.com. You wrap it up in a box. <laughs> they open it and just see the look on their face. Oh, so good. All right. And that is our review of Space Jam. Uh, let us know what you remember about Space Jam. Any nostalgic things that you uh, recall from your childhood on Twitter or Instagram in both places. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this review that you're listening to right now um, on iTunes. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. On a scale of one to five jams, how would you rate this review? And be sure to tune in right here for another retro movie review discussion right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. For extra credit, Ricky, if you had the job of Porky Pig where you have to send people off at the end of something... What would be your catchphrase? Like, Porky Pig has that's all, folks. What would be your thing? It'd be like a ta-ta for now. What about you? What would your sign-off be? I think I'd pop out of the circle and I'd go, Welp, um, <laughs> I've got work in the morning. <laughs> and they would know. <laughs> <laughs>